0: Good morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida.
2: And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 2nd, episode 2510, brought to you today by our friends at Stateline Tech. Good morning, horse people.
3: Big Wednesday, the day you face your own biggest challenge, the day you risk it all, the day you either distinguish yourself or fade into the crowd hang
4: on we're hitching a ride daddy i want another pony
3: i put 40 hours in this weekend man it's only wednesday i've been cussing this damn heat all day long there's got to be another way i pick up my guitar and
2: I just want to hear Jared Rogerson's whole entire song, Glenn.
0: (laughs) I'm hoping now that uh, he's not locked in his cabin in northern Wisconsin or wherever the hell he is. I'm hoping (laughs) that we can get him to a place that has Internet and actually do a concert with him this fall.
2: Yes, of course, that's Jared Rogerson in Wyoming, and he is a friend of the show, and that's the music. You can go to jaredrogerson.com to find out more, Um, but today we are going to talk about some health news with Glenn. Farrier Daisy Bicking of Daisy Haven Farm talks about club foot and horses, and oh my gosh, this has plagued me. I'm so excited to talk about it. Plus, our Black Reins guest is dressage rider and horse trainer, Nishan Cook, so it's going to be fun. Plus, I have some weird news if we have time.
0: All right, good. And you know, I have a news story here. You know how the Badminton Horse trials. We've talked about those for years. Everybody knows Badminton. It's on a bucket list of every eventing spectator in the world to go there sometime. right. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. the house is enormous. It's a great, big house, and it's got 52,000 acres. Well, there's actually people that live there, Jamie. Uh oh, and uh they had a wedding over the weekend. The son got married, and he is the Marquess of Worcester, 31 years old, and he married Lucy York Long, 34. Uh they had to cut the guest list down because as you could imagine it was probably hundreds to begin with, but there's a limit on the number of people that can get together in England right now. So they had forty at the wedding. Uh and they broke the cardinal rule. They had horses.
2: Uh, of course they did. It's Badminton. <laughs> Hello. And what is a Marquess? Uh, okay, so
0: I'll, I'll explain I that. Wanted... So so the Marquess and the now she's a marchioness. Uh they embarked on married life. They rode away from the wedding in the house on horseback. It was very romantic. Uh and uh, they had pictures and it was he was riding a big white horse and she was riding a black horse, of course. And or no, she was actually riding a bay of some kind. I don't even know what kind it was, warm blood of some kind i, I guess. need pictures uh but yeah you can find pictures on the uh daily mail had pictures of it uh they got engaged last october and uh there they go so they were off uh they have 40 bedrooms by the way at badminton uh so apparently all the guests had their own bedrooms. <laughs> so.
2: Well, it's social distancing and it's fineness right there.
0: <laughs> okay. So this is the, that got me wondering too. What is a marqu- Marquess? Marquess. Marquess. So this is the order that the noble titles go in England. It's the king and queen. You know, your buddy, the queen who just sent you yeah. letter. Yeah. They're at the up. top. All right. And then it's prince and princess. Then it's duke and duchess. Then it's marquess and marchioness. Then it's earl and countess. Then it's viscount and viscountess. And then it's Baron and Baroness. Now, doesn't it sound like the Baron should be higher than, like, like an Earl?
2: So, what I'm saying is that if you're a Baroness, you... Pretty you're the much bottom of nothing. the
0: barrel, yeah. You're, you're nothing, you're the lowlife, yep. so the, yeah.
2: So, the queen, a princess, a duchess, a marchioness, a countess, a viscountess, and a baroness. I love it,
0: yeah. So, that's the order. I didn't know the order, I had to look it up today because I never knew the marquess is not one you hear a lot here, at least over here in the United States.
2: There's very few, they're very rare, which is why <laughs> for her to be one, it's very special. Lucy
0: York Long is now, uh, she married and is now. Now our marchioness
2: and gets to hang around badminton. King, Prince, Duke, Marquess. I've never heard of that. Uh, Earl. I I know our English listeners are wanting to punch us in the face. (laughs) Um, Viscount and a baron. (laughs) We're probably
0: pronouncing them all wrong too. Yeah, exactly. We don't do it with the great English accent. I can do
2: it with an English accent. It's the queen. It's a princess, (laughs) a duchess. You
0: realize if you keep that English accent up, she's not going to invite you over for the ceremony next year. Oh, you're right. Excuse (laughs) me, your majesty. (laughs) You won't be invited. All right, let's do some Daily Winnies. Okay, I can't find a birthday song. Where'd it go? You need a
2: spreadsheet. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy
0: birthday to you. What oh, do no, I need a spreadsheet <laughs> for? It.
2: For all these birthdays that you oh, can't keep track of. Actually, on one of anymore. the
0: listeners made a spreadsheet of the auditor birthdays. Now, not all the auditors signed up, so oh. I do have a spreadsheet that I reference. But uh, we do have a birthday, and that's one of our Swedish listeners. Who I'm going with: Gron Ram, Gron Ram.
4: I don't, I don't know. know. The O that?
0: has one of those little doohickeys over it. And I the don't know what dots. that means. I don't know what that means. But it's one of our Swedish listeners, and they know we're gonna say their names wrong. So and they still listen anyway. We have a lot of Swedish listeners. So thank you very much, everybody in Sweden, for putting up with us. We appreciate it.
2: My daily when he goes out to the ASPCA. The ASPCA is a fantastic organization, and they just gave grants to, of of totaling the press releases $250,000 to help rehabilitate and retrain retired racehorses. So that's right, $250,000. The organizations that received the grant were Cantor USA, Friends of Ferdinand, Hope for Horses, Horse and Hound Rescue Foundation in Oklahoma. That's the one that you're. Yeah. Yay! So they got a new grant, so we'll continue to keep you guys uh, up to date on all these horses that come in for training. Kentucky Equine Adoption Center, Mid-Atlantic Horse Rescue, New Vocations, Red Wings, Rerun, This Old Horse, Beyond the Roses, and Racer. I love all these names, Racers Placers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So they, they, um, the ASPCA Equine Welfare Department is focused on ensuring horses nationwide have good welfare Which includes working collaboratively with stakeholders in both the rescue community and the equine industries and to help at risk horses safely transition to new careers and homes. It's a fantastic organization. I love that they've done this. Even with all the COVID craziness that's happening, the rescues and the SPCA continues to do great work. And I'm proud to to be a part of it, to be a part of it. Keep training horses for a while. Yeah, it sure does. So it's fantastic that, that it just, you know, you've got these big organizations like new vocations, which has programs in Kentucky, Louisiana, Ohio, New York, all these different States. And then little horse and hound in and Guthrie, Oklahoma was on the list. And, and again, I'm, I'm so proud to be a part of it. They do such a great job finding the right person for the right horse. And I'm proud to help them get them transitioned over to become more adoptable. It's, it's awesome. I'm so, I'm so happy. Yay. It was
0: a good it's morning. I just found out this morning. Oklahoma because that would have never happened.
2: Uh, that's true. That's true. Well, it wouldn't <laughs> happen to me anyway.
0: Hey, Equitana USA uh, is, as we all know, had to cancel and not have an in-person Equitana this year, but they starting today are doing a month long virtual program to celebrate the horse. It's called online Equ- equestrian. And, uh, it's going to be happening at their website. Go to equitanausa.com. Virtual sessions began yesterday, actually, and they include a variety of webinars. Uh, they have expert horsemen and women, an array of exhibitors with, uh, innovative products. Uh, they're doing a celebration of horse breeds and pedigrees, live interviews, panel discussions, all kinds of stuff going on over there. So you, and then on Saturdays and Sundays, they're doing a kids edition. Uh, so they're doing barn tours with horse country out of uh, Lexington there. And they're going to be doing... Tr- training the performance horse and equine photography and all kinds of stuff for kids as well. So definitely go check that out at uh, EquitanaUSA.com. They didn't have a lot of time to put this all together, and they've done a lot. Their daily schedule's on the website. So if you're not totally sick of virtual stuff at this point, uh, you'll have a lot of content you can check out during September, and, and good for them for hanging in there and, and doing that. I want to play something here. We're going to have a little bit of a serious discussion, more than we usually do. Um and uh, let
2: me I, I gotta get the thing I'll be right back uh, while you're starting this I'll be right back
0: okay well and then uh, while you're doing that I will mention that the Kentucky Derby is this weekend and we're gonna have Jamie's review on Friday of uh, all the horses like we usually do we'll chat about the Kentucky Derby on Friday I did want to mention though that one of our favorite owners of all time we started with mucho macho man years ago on this show and regular listeners will know Dana Patty Reeves well they have a horse in the Kentucky Derby and that horse's name is Sol Volante or Flying Sun uh, is their name He drew post position number 12 and currently sits at 30 to 1 in the morning line. Uh, so congratulations to the Reeves for having another horse. And apparently Patty Reeves got together with a whole bunch of girlfriends and relatives, uh, all women, and they bought into a horse. And that's authentic in pole position 18. It's sitting at 8 to 1. So they're part owners of that horse. So you can check uh, that out this weekend as well. Uh, and she said her husband's not in on this one. It was at a girl's thing. They went through that organization where you can buy shares and racehorses. And they all bought the shares in Authentic, who's at p- uh, post position 18. So I think,
2: too, what I heard is that they still have shares available.
0: Yes, I think so. I forget the name Mama's the buying racehorse. <laughs> So, of course, Tis the Law is a heavy favorite uh, this weekend. And uh, Drew, what, 17, I think? Pole position 17? So Post position. Uh, yeah, post position. It's the first year they're using new starting gates.
2: I saw. I watched some of the races yesterday. Are it's they really all cool. just one
0: big long one instead of two separate ones now?
2: Yes. Okay. They've got one big long one because people had been complaining um, because in that gap. So so the way that it was, was like, we will say, I think it was like 1 through 12, like, 12 or whatever. 10
0: and 10, right?
2: Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. it, it wasn't 10 and 10, but it was something like that. And there was a gap, the like joint. And what happens is that the second the horse broke out of the just past the joint of the gates, they would bust left and interfere. And it's been a common problem with a lot of the races. So they now have one giant long starting gate. So it's pretty cool to see them on They break a little bit. What do you straight.
0: think that costs? A couple million bucks?
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> no.
0: well, all right. Well, let's, uh, we're going to get a little serious here for a couple of minutes. I talked about this last night with the auditors, did a little video there. And I, I, w- I have something very special I want to start it with, and we hope we don't get sued. let's let's take a listen.
2: The Black Panther has been the protector of Wakanda for generations. A mantle passed from warrior to warrior. Now because your friend murdered my father, I also wear the mantle of King. In my culture,
4: death is not the end. Baba. Oh, yeah, no one. It's marve stepping off point.
2: He is with us, and it is your time to be king.
0: Whoa! That oh. gave you goosebumps, huh? So that uh, obviously Chadwick Boseman, who played Black Panther, and. So, everybody's heard uh, over the last week that he died of colon cancer after fighting it for four years. Do you realize he did the filming for a lot of his movies while he had colon cancer and didn't tell anybody?
2: Told nobody.
0: His family knew, and that was it. I mean, even his co-stars apparently didn't know. Yeah. Uh, They were all pretty shocked, too. So I went for a uh, colonoscopy, what, about three weeks ago? Mm -hmm. And uh, they did find uh, two small polyps, which is kind of normal in people my age, which is 58, by the way. I thought it was 57 and I remembered I was shaving a year apparently. Um, so, and they, but they unfortunately, they did find one larger tumor. And so I had to get that biopsied and went back yesterday to the doctor and he did find that all three of them were cancerous, but he thinks that we're, we should be able to get them quick enough. He took the two smaller ones out, but could not do that during the colonoscopy. So I actually have to have part of my colon removed. It's called oh Cullen colon something. I don't know, uh, but I have to have it about six inches, six inches of it taken out. Uh, so the tumor. I showed pictures of it last night because I thought, screw those auditors, always posting gross pictures of their horses and all their weird crap in the <laughs> auditor room. I'm going to show a picture of my tumor. So I. Uh, so if you want to see that visual, you can c- check out the video in the auditor room from last night.
2: Hold on, wait. wait you hear that sound? That's nobody going to that to see that. All
0: right, it was my sweet revenge, is what it was.
2: <laughs> Hold on. It, nope. I thought I heard a click. I did not.
0: So I I had Lee on with me. Lee's a friend. He's actually been on this show before. He visited the studio and, and hung out on a Friday with us one day. He does one of the most popular cancer podcasts. And it was actually originally called the Colon Cancer Podcast, because Lee has been fighting colon cancer for nine and a half years. Um he's done like 30. Uh, he's had like four operations, and he's done 30 chemo. He has chemo today, actually. Uh, so he's still battling colon cancer and has been, as I said, for nine and a half years. But, uh, you know, we we took the opportunity to talk about the importance of getting a colonoscopy and how important that is. The doctor told me yesterday when I was there, and, he, you know, we have pictures of all of this. It's, it's about three inches long. It's a big white blob. Um, and, you know, he said, he said, it's good you came in when you did. He said, if you'd waited another year, this would be a whole different ball game. He said, I think that once they remove it and they take out, you know, they take out a couple inches on either side of the colon, I guess, to get make sure they get it all. And then they test those to make sure it hasn't spread. But uh, he said, I think we're going to get it and you won't need chemo or any of that stuff. But he said, if you had waited another year, this would be a whole different story. He said, basically, this test saved your life. So when the doctor tells you that you go, oh, I should have went 2 years ago. <laughs> Cuz I was overdue. I was overdue for it. Uh and you know I I put it off because it was one of those things I just never got to. You you know how that is with yeah. with health stuff. Um so, but he was very, you know, insistent that it's good I went. And uh, so I'm waiting to hear from the surgeon, it's supposed to call the next couple of days, and we'll set up a time to go have that. But I will be out for a couple of weeks. Uh, it's four days in the hospital for that, because they have to keep you in long enough to make sure you don't get an infection. Apparently, cutting out part of that part's pretty, you know, infection-prone. So uh, you have to hang around in the hospital for a while, and then it's a couple of a couple of weeks of, uh, of recovery. I'm most worried about any time I have something like this, jamie will know this my Lyme acts up and then it takes me longer to recover than everybody else because a stupid lime decides it has to get into the act and this involves antibiotics and that's usually what m- makes the lime go nuts so i'm actually dreading that more than i am the surgery itself <clears throat> other than i'm also dreading having to visit a bunch of doctors and hospitals in florida right now with the COVID thing um but they're all being very careful uh like yesterday everybody was very careful so have that to look forward to over the next couple of months. We will continue the shows going. Uh, Jamie, I've already talked to Wendy and Debbie, are willing to fill in. And Jennifer and Jemmy are going to uh, hang out and do produ- producing. They probably will not be live while I'm out. I might be out for two to three weeks. So they will not be live during that time, but we will have new shows. Uh, and Jamie, you'll do them with with co-hosts.
2: Well, your 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 spirit and your attitude are the things that are going to make this very successful. So, uh, best of luck, and I'm I'm so sorry that it's happening to you. And uh, um, I th- I think what's coming out of uh, Chadwick and and you using your voice in this platform as well is people are going to go get tested and make well, sure
0: that they're safe. I want to I, I cut out a little part of Lee last night. Lee is one of the most
2: how about saying I took a clip? I took a- <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Enough with the cutting. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was a Freudian slip. Uh, so so uh, Lee is a, an amazing <laughs> guy. You know, he started this colon cancer podcast when he was in the thick of really... <laughs> Surgeries and all kinds of stuff, and he did it to help other people. And he now has the uh, cancer, uh, the cancer podcast network, something like that, uh, where he has a whole series of shows to help cancer people. And he's affected so many people across the world, and he's helped so many people across the world. And he has a tough gig because he's interviewing people who have cancer, or he's interviewing the families after they've died. But many of his guests have died over the years, you know, since he talked to them. So what a tough gig and he takes it very emotionally and he's such a nice guy and i have about a three minute clip here where he talks about who should get checked so if you're wondering are you male or female this doesn't matter by the way and i don't get why it's always been a thing where men should get checked for colon cancer yet i looked up the statistics and men men one in 23 men will get colon cancer one in 25 women So there's not much difference. So basically, everybody should be getting it. We already
2: have breast cancer to worry about. We don't (laughs) want to think
0: about that. It's the third leading cause of cancer-related deaths, and men and women, is colon cancer, which I didn't realize either. Um, But this is what Lee says, and he's the expert. He does the show on this every week about who should get checked when, and it's changed over time. And so here it is. Men people start getting colonoscopies.
4: The guideline was just recently changed from 50 to 45. Uh, so that's the base is 45. You should be talking to your doctor about getting screened. Now, the gold standard, any gastroenterologist will tell you the gold standard is a colonoscopy. Uh, and I don't want to hear people say, yeah, but I heard it's unpleasant. I heard it's this. You know what? It's none of those things are more unpleasant than the chemotherapy that I'll be going through tomorrow. And this will be my 36th chemo treatment. Oh. Uh, I've had six surgeries for other um, arthroscop- arthroscopic type procedures and uh, different types of radiation treatments over the last nine and a half years so a little bit of unpleasantness meaning you're spending time in the bathroom for a few hours uh none of that is as bad as what i've had to deal with for the last nine and a half years
0: i set up my uh, i set up my computer in there and i watched an entire season of umbrella academy while (laughs) prepping for that
4: (laughs) And, and, and the procedure itself uh, oh, you give, don't even know. You go to sleep. Oh, it's, they give you yeah. they give you propofol, and it's the best sleep you've ever had. <laughs> yeah. So they don't 40, even have
0: you count backwards anymore. They just yeah. the shot goes in, and you're out.
4: <laughs> no, they told me to count to to count uh, down from ten. I went ten, mm, and that's and that's all I remember was mm, from nine. <laughs> that's as far as I got. But uh, forty-five is the standard, Glenn, unless you have a family history. Now, family history means immediate family, so uh, parent or sibling, okay? So in my case, I was diagnosed at 50, so uh, my sons will need to get scanned at 10 years prior to the age I was when I was diagnosed, so they'll have to get checked at 40. Uh, there are... For many people there, and maybe you've seen the TV ads for something called ColoGuard. Yeah, I saw that is, the other day. Which is an at-home test. Uh, You need to talk to your doctor about it. Uh, It's right for some people, but if you have a family history, you're immediately excluded from that. And there's other things that they'll ask you, but that is a good alternative. But you should know that if you get a positive ColoGuard test, guess what you're going to get next? <laughs> yeah. You're going to get the colonoscopy anyway. So, but, you know, uh, I interviewed uh, several doctors over the years on my show, and uh, my favorite quote from one of the gastroenterologists was, the best screening is the one I can get you to do, right? Mm. So, if you are adamant that you just are not up for a colonoscopy, ask your doctor about the ColoGuard.
0: So that's Lee Silverstein and he's with the We Have Cancer podcast. You can find it on any podcast player, go to wehavecancerpodcast.com. Uh but you know, I think that was very poignant to what he said about a little bit of discomfort. And truly, I mean they put you out for this for the uh for the colonoscopy. You're not you wake up after it's over. So I'll have to have one of those now every year for the next 3 years. So I have that to look forward to. Uh Are you there, Jamie? Am I talking to myself? Oh, there you yeah, go. I Sorry,
2: turn the mic on. Um, again, you're asleep, so it's not like yeah, it's no. super unpleasant. You, you wake up, or it's done.
0: The hardest part is the prep. I mean, that's the it, hardest part.
2: Listen, if you're a woman. There is nothing more humiliating than putting your feet in those stirrups. That's okay, true. this is nothing, <laughs> no, compared, it's nothing to compared to that. Nothing uh, compared
0: to that. You're awake for that. You're not awake for this.
2: The stirrups that all of us actually <laughs> hate.
0: So yeah, and then have
2: a baby, and you're just like, oh, okay, well, here's everybody and their brother. Just come on, come on in. What the hell?
0: Now the doctor so, did say this week, since the news of Chadwick you know, made worldwide headlines. Uh, they've been getting a lot of calls with people who have been putting it off in his, you know, at, at the colonoscopy Center there. They've been getting a lot of calls from people who have been putting it off are now doing it. So, you know, Chadwick's death has uh, caused a lot, because he was so young. You know, he found out he had it when he was 38, and, and my doctor even talked about him yesterday and said, that means he probably had it in his early 30s and didn't know. And one of the things they did say is that people... That it's leveling out. Colon cancer is leveling out in people in their fifties and sixties, and it's increasing in younger people. And they don't, not sure whether it's diet or hormones or whatever it is. They're not sure, but younger people, much younger are getting colon cancer much sooner. So that's why they've dropped the age to get it checked. So if you're in that age or your husband is, um, or your re- any relative, encourage them to get tested. In my case, if I'd waited another year, I'd be in Lee's boat. So um, So the, anyway, I did want to tell everybody about that. I know you're all going to miss me while I'm gone. Jamie's going to miss me so much. I'm going to uh, cry. I know. She's just going to cry day. every day she's not having me on the show. And anybody who believes that uh, has not listened to the show for very long. All right. Let's talk about Stateline Tech, a more pleasant topic for today.
2: Well, now I have to go to Stateline Tech and see what they're selling because I did see somebody, Um, uh, one of the auditors posted, hey, is Stateline for real? Like I know, I saw everything that Everything is way cheaper <laughs> on Stateline Tech. And we're like, that's what we've been well, telling you. Well, they're I'm, one I'm, of the oldest retailers. It I is. mean, I used to get Stateline <laughs> Tech catalogs when I was
1: a child.
0: It. They started in, and the reason it was called Stateline is they were just across the line in... I, I think it was Vermont, uh, from Massachusetts. They were just across the line. So people from Massachusetts used to go up there and shop, and that's why it was called State Line Tech. But yeah, they've been around—Stateline was before Dover. You know, it was one of the biggest uh, catalogs you could get. I remember Jennifer being so freaking excited when the State Line catalog would come.
2: Oh, that's what I picked all my Christmas presents out as a child. I would just, it, most people, you know, get you probably are so old, you get the Sears catalog and you'd be like, yep, we least to get the things. Sears catalog. <laughs> yeah, I was, I would get the state line tag catalog and circle things and hand it to my mom. Now what's really exciting, and this is a, this is a Dad, dilemma. Were you a,
0: a corner folder or did you put like pieces of paper in the pages?
2: Oh, God, I think I just circled everything and probably <laughs> both. Like here, every this page one... was
0: circle, 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 circle. Yeah, <laughs>
2: And the, the what's, what's a, the dilemma for most of us equestrian women is that, you know, we have to protect ourselves in the summer and have a lot of light riding clothes. And then in the winter, we have, you know, our heavy duty riding clothes. Well, I realize I don't have anything for like the tweener times, you know, mm. I don't want to wear my ice. Fill tights when it's you know fifty five degrees outside. So you need some fall and spring clothes. And right now, Stayline has a ride and style new fall favorites. And you can get thirty percent off if you log on. I don't understand yeah, it how up for
0: it, me too. Yeah, just it does. Yeah.
2: Um. So anyway, you can go and look at the new fall favorites. Um. And I need some like fall riding pants, not just summer or winter. I need tw- I need tweeners.
0: Can I say the horsewear ladies riding tights are very attractive? Or I'm not sure if it's the model of the tights, but they're very attractive.
2: If we all looked like that, <laughs> that's all we would wear. Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> they are very attractive. But yeah, it's up to thirty percent off on a whole bunch of different stuff uh, right over there at State Line Tech. And yes, they are reputable to bid around. You know, I've seen a couple people posting, and not just about State Line, but about other retailers too, about shipping taking a little longer than some uh, than usual. And that is still true. There still are pro- supply chain issues with some products, uh, products coming out of China or wherever. Forever. they're still having some supply issues. I know that uh, post office, you know, that's become a political thing now, I realize. But there really has been a problem with post office shipping at this point. Uh, some things just not getting here. I've had things that have just not arrived that were sent through the post office. So, uh, so you're going to have to just be a little bit more patient. Even Amazon's not shipping second day on a lot of stuff right now. So it's just going to be a little bit different right now uh, until all of this gets straightened out. So... Yep. StatelineTech.com. All right. Today's Horse Health Report is brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast on the Horse Radio Network. The Horse Nutrition Podcast covers topics that you will all love. It highlights the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given. It's part of Purina's Full Reign documentary series. Go to PurinaMills.com slash Full Rain to see them all. The latest episode is all about vaulting horses. It also won the award as Best, podcast, Best Equestrian podcast. This last year and it's hosted by our own lisa Wysaki. so you can find that on any podcast player or go to purinamills.com slash full rate all right uh, tell us about our guest while i get her on the line
2: here um well we are going to talk to farrier daisy bicking of daisy haven farm and talk about club foot And Glenn, as he said before the show, he didn't even know that that was a thing in horses. It's a thing in people, but definitely a thing in horses. And I've got one at my barn right now, and uh, I'll talk to Daisy about the other ones that I've had experiences with.
0: If her name sounds familiar, she's been on in this segment several times Uh, because she kind of has a farm that deals with uh, horses that have issues. In the the fair, don't we all feed issues?
1: (laughs) Good morning.
2: Hey, Daisy, it's Jamie and Glenn, and you are on the air. How
1: the heck are you? I'm fantastic. It's so great to talk to you all. Wonderful. You
2: we're great. We're great. Um, Wonderful to talk to you, too. And uh, we're talking about something that I'm actually dealing with right now, which is the horse with the club foot. Now, I adopted one horse and didn't really know what it what a club foot was years ago. And I got him all the way up through training level eventing, and he went on to be a hunter after that. And he had a club foot and then I bought a horse on the racetrack, which you couldn't see his feet because they were in the dirt and I oh. could bring him home. And I'm like, oh, that's a club foot. And he went on to be a show jumper, but now I have one that has a club foot and he's a little special. So talk to everybody about <laughs> what the club foot is in a horse.
1: Sure. Well, there are so many different ideas about what causes club foot and what a club foot technically is. Um, you know, you can talk about differences in angle between two feet. You can talk about specific pathologies or, or problems that are associated with a foot. But to me, it's about how the foot distorts. If that makes sense, how the foot appears, its actual appearance. And some horses are born with a different shaped bone and some club feet we think are acquired. So they can look a little different, but a club foot is basically uh, quite upright in its appearance, might be boxy, might have like straight sides. Um, it often has a very flat sole and, um, a a big dish maybe on the front of the foot. Sometimes they also have toe cracks. That's very common with club feet, which can be frustrating. Mm -hmm.
2: Now, I guess I would ask what causes a club foot?
1: Well, so there you go, right? Like we all, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, I think that some horses are really born with different shaped bones. Um, I personally had a horse where his, um, we had radiographs from when he was very tiny and he actually had one bigger bone and one smaller bone. And the bigger bone ended up being his flatter foot and the smaller bone ended up being his upright foot. Some think Hmm. um, there's some studies that were done that show that breeds with um, shorter faces or, if they have a short neck, they can't reach the ground as well. Um, and that can lead to a club foot because of exaggerated grazing posture. You huh. know, one foot forward, one foot back. Yeah. That's an idea. Um, personally, I do think it is mainly driven by how the horse uses its body. So if a horse has, say, a, an exaggerated feeding stance where one foot is forward and one foot is back all the time, that is an inappropriate compensation on the part of the horse. They should switch feet when they graze. So one foot forward, one foot back and then switch. But a lot of them just rock back and forth. If you watch them in the pasture, they rock back and forth between a front foot and a a back foot on the front that are always in that same position. And then you'll get, um, you'll get the feet growing and developing and maintaining in a way based on how they use their foot. Okay. Um,
2: Now, does that, uh, does that make sense? It does. It does. Uh, and what I would like to say is that I have this horse here. His name is Kona and he's a foster and he, his club foot is also very, very back at the knee. Um, yeah. so the, the, that makes sense that he would leave that But Can I just go out there and be like, listen, dude, you got to switch it up.
1: How do I communicate well, to him that that's not appropriate? Yeah. yeah so, so my thoughts about um, how to positively impact the conformation of the foot uh, is based on the work of Dr. Judith Shoemaker. You may or may not have heard of her. She's a fabulous holistic veterinarian who's in Nottingham, Pennsylvania. And what, what we talk about, she's my mentor, and what we talk about is that the biggest influence into how the foot grows and develops is how the horse stands and how it uses its body all day long. It really doesn't move around that much, maybe wandering around the pasture or um, some work under saddle, but predominantly horses kind of stand around. And that was um, validated by the work of Brian Hansen, who is a PhD researcher in um, Australia, where domesticated horses just don't really move that much. He put GPS trackers on them. That was pretty neat. And so the um, the idea that the biggest influence into that horse as how it stands means that yes, if you can get the horse to stand a different way, it's going to stimulate its feet to grow differently because of stance and load and gravity. The trick is how to do that. Yeah, right? I was
2: going to say. So so so, what do I do?
1: Okay, so what um what we do is we look at specific ratios of the feet, um and, and from the farrier perspective trimming um, and shoeing, if necessary to achieve a balance around the center of rotation of the hoof capsule. Um, and then we also look at the balance of the dentistry since uh, teeth influence so much of how the horse perceives balance with its TMJ and its atlas occiput being highly innervated for balance. So we look at, at dentistry in a critical way. And then also using good body rehabilitation techniques. Um, Dr. Shoemaker has a specific protocol she personally uses called postural rehabilitation, and she has a number of practitioners that she's trained around the world. Um, but just even some basic, uh, good, solid chiropractic body work, um, getting your horse, like feeding your horse up off the ground. If they have a propensity to stand a certain way and you see them standing like that, ask them to stand differently. Ideally, you want that horse to stand square when they're at rest uh with a cannon, with cannon bones perpendicular to the ground so you can ask the horse to stand that way um if you feed them up off the ground it's a little bit less time that they're standing in that habituated pattern because it's all about how the circulation in the foot happens
2: hmm, interesting okay so i could lift his hay put it in a hay bag he already eats his grain off the ground so th- now to go back a little bit, I used to be a veterinary technician for a lameness specialist when I lived in Georgia. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things that we did when the horses were young that looked like they were going to have club or already did, yeah. I remember yeah. we would do a a check li- we would cut check one ligament. of
1: the des yep. yeah. Yep. So talk about that. Check ligament desmotomy. Yep. Yep, so you can. I mean in really severe cases, um You can absolutely uh, cut the check ligament, which controls the tension on the deep digital flexor tendon and the position of the coffin bone in the hoof capsule. Um, You can also, um, in extreme cases, I've been involved with some horses where they actually did cut the deep digital flexor tendon. um, But of course, then you're concerned about performance issues. So the rehab of those interventions is just as important as the decision to do them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can be very successful. Um, the other thing that you can do when they're when they're little, when the foals are little, I know some of the veterinarians I work with um, will give um, like medications like uh, tetracycline to the really young foals if they're really looking clubfooted because it will help relax some of those tendons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as a farrier, a lot of times, with the little baby ones when they're just developing, we can put a little bit of a toe extension on them. And that will also help get the tendons to lengthen and get the foot to develop in a different position. But you have to be really careful because their feet change so quickly and so, so rapidly developing through those first couple of months. You're really changing what you're doing with the feet every like 10 days to two weeks at the most. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so
2: any way that we look at it, uh, it's going to cost us (laughs) some money. Um, which, which again, like you said, the performance uh, is, is having a club, foot. a actually before I ask you that is, is it something that has to be taken care of when they're young or can it be fixed and addressed when they're older?
1: I think it just depends on whether you have an associated lameness issue. So if you have the ability to intervene when they're younger, sure, it would be ideal not to get into a situation where you have extreme club feet. But if it's a mild situation, you might give it time and monitor, you know, with appropriate supervision from your vet and your farrier. Um, On the other hand, if you have an older horse who is having lameness issues because of their club foot, then you need a, um, a team between your vet and your farrier To help you decide how much intervention needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a horse with a mild club foot um, and they're sound and they're working symmetrically, because sometimes it can also be a mechanical lameness where they're just striding shorter on the club foot than they are on their flatter foot. If you truly have a lameness issue, one of the biggest complications of club foot is they also get associated laminitis. In the club foot or in the opposite foot? in the clubfoot, because they have tension, too much tension or, or contracture from the deep digital flexor apparatus, because we know tendons don't really contract. The muscle is what is, what is doing the contracture, or they have a compensatory issue in their, say in their shoulders and they're really, you know, cringing, or we call it flexor withdrawal. Um, If you ever, you know, touch a hot stove and you pull your hand back and you say, ouch, and you hold your hand close to your body, that's flexor withdrawal. So when they have that tension, sometimes there's associated discomfort on the actual tendon surface, the attachment to the bone, or the dorsal laminae because there's pulling, excessive pulling happening or shortening happening in that limb. And so what you end up getting is a pain cycle where the laminae are being damaged, the bone pointing down too much is being um, modeled in a way where the circulation at the toe is being compressed because of excess load, because of the position of the bone and the way the horse uses a foot. And so you can get caught into a bit of a cycle of the horse damaging its own foot. And then if they have pain, then they start withdrawing even more and it's a slippery slope. So it just depends if you have a managed club foot, which is a foot that has characteristics of a club foot, but isn't causing any current lameness issues or unevenness in performance that would require intervention. I say, leave it alone. If on the other hand, you're, you know, if you have radiographs and the foot is showing signs of inflammation chronically and breaking down, well, then you need to intervene.
2: So with a horse, like the one that I have right now, I mean, obviously he he has some other issues as well. Being back at the knee is one of them. Um, But if, if I went to look at a horse to buy, and I yeah. saw that it had a club foot and it was like the last one that I had was a successful, you know, race eight years old that had been yeah. running on a club foot and was sound. Does that scare you off from purchasing or is that something you just realize you may have to manage later in the future? What do you do?
1: So the first thing I would do if I had a horse that had significant high, low problems or had club feet. Um, or a club foot, I would absolutely recommend that that would be a horse that you would not purchase without having radiographs and a pre-purchase exam done on the feet. Because a lot of the thoroughbreds, especially that this problem is pretty rampant in them. Um, they are very stoic and they're very like, they just manage themselves and keep in mind when they're racing, their adrenaline is on high mm. and horses are pre-wired to, for fight or flight. Right? So If their foot hurts, they're just going to blow through it when they're racing down the track. So sometimes those feet can be really messed up and the horse can actually look sound until their adrenaline lets down when they come off the track and they're given cookies and somebody loves them. And then all of a sudden they're showing that that foot's really a problem. So you would absolutely want to have that animal evaluated by professionals, whether it's the vet coming and doing radiographs and then maybe even consulting with the farrier you're planning on using and saying, do you, you know, in your experience, would you anticipate that this is going to be something that's going to be difficult to manage? The horse is sound right now. It's been sound, you know, what do you think? And get some input from your team. Fascinating.
2: Fascinating. Well, I know Glenn's got something to ask you. This has been great information. Where can people go uh, to find you and to ask more questions if they have any?
1: Thanks. Yeah. So I have my website, which is daisyhavenfarm.com. I also have a school that I teach from. The website for the school is um, integrativehoofschool.com. I'm on Facebook um, and other social media as well. And, you know, I'm always happy to talk foot with people. I love it.
0: Well, you also have a Patreon, I noticed.
1: Yes, I do. Yes, absolutely. I have a Patreon, which is on advanced... Um, pathologies and advanced glue techniques to help horses, um, and that is uh, patreon.com backslash Daisy Bicking. Thank and, you. Uh,
0: so, if you're really a geek into horse feet, then that's where you want to be, right there, Patreon. Again. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's all the unusual stuff that I get to work on. That I do case studies and and share how-to information on. It probably I has lots them. of
0: gross pictures, so I'm not joining um because
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's warnings. you know you can avoid those case studies if you'd rather not see the surgeries and the dissections and things like that <laughs> uh-huh.
0: hey daisy now let's get off of horse seat, yeah. okay let's get on okay. to more important okay. things and that's we have never talked yep. about you personally so today you're on the oh. hot seat so okay. i've been stalking you a bit you're a, you're one of those crazy ultra marathon runner people
1: yeah, yeah, that that would be correct. Yes, crazy ultra marathon runner people. That's a good description. I love sure. your outfits, by
0: the way. I love your outfits. Hey, she has the wildest hey. damn outfits, and you have the horse tattoo that every horse girl ever wanted. We we had this whole conversation uh, one day about horse tattoos, and everybody was posting their pictures of their horse tattoos. You have a really great one on your arm. So,
1: thank you. Yeah, yeah. thank you. I, I I have a lot of joy in my art and in my clothing, and it just makes me happy. Thank you. She went it's to, always uh, wonderful to have that
0: admired. Looks like you went to Harry Potter World uh, or somewhere like that as uh, Wonder Woman last year. Uh, but I wanted to talk to you about uh, the presidential range. Is that something you're doing this year? And tell everybody what that is.
1: Oh, yeah. So um, we actually just did it a couple weekends ago. We were lucky with some some good weather. Um, the presidential traverse is a, um, hike that you do, or some people run it who are crazy and it's in the white mountains in New Hampshire. And you actually start at the base of Mount Madison and you climb 4,000 feet up in four miles. And then you go across the top of all the presidential mountains there and including Mount Washington. And so we summited all of them and it took us 18 hours to go 21 miles, but it was stupendous. It was such an amazing experience. It's part of the Appalachian Trail. I'd highly recommend that everybody do it at some point in their life. Some people do it over more than one day, which is probably smart. We, we yeah, I was going to say, that's, <laughs> that's a
0: lot in one day. That's a lot up and down. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's very mountainous. Like, it's it's not as, as much hiking, and it, it's more mountaineering. It's all boulders, 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 boulders. And some of it, we were on all fours climbing up these massive boulders to get to the summit of these mountains but the views and the experience it was also worth it
0: now you hit mount washington was it a windy day or did you get lucky that day
1: we got lucky it was windy but it was about 43 degrees and the wind gusts were only about 25 miles an hour the following weekend Glenn, they actually had sub-zero temperatures snow and 60 mile per hour wind the following weekend so we got really lucky, You got
0: really lucky <laughs> you did. Uh-huh. I noticed they just had their oh, first yeah. snow in Colorado on the peaks today uh, or yesterday. They had their first snow. Uh, so that's coming, wow. everybody. You can have that to look forward to. And one other thing I got to talk to you about is did you grow up in yep. Lancaster, Pennsylvania? I did. Yes, yes I, I was did. New Holland. What, what school did you go to?
1: mccaskey
0: uh yeah we used to wrestle mccaskey i used to get my ass kicked all the time by your wrestlers Ah! yeah (laughs)
1: hey those those lancaster city kids are hardcore yeah they are
0: (laughs) (laughs) you went to a tough school probably the toughest one in our county uh
1: yeah that's that's true it was it was an interesting experience i got a lot out of it and uh you know it's nice it's nice to know that we were neighbors so so to speak
0: yeah that's what made that's why she's such a tough farrier because she grew up in that school that's uh... okay
2: uh, here's the real question (laughs) Here's the real question. Glenn, you always use this as, I'm from Pennsylvania. How do you pronounce the word
1: H-O-O-F? It's hoof. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. So I say hoof. But most people around here say "hoof."
0: See, it's I a know. thing. Glenn it's a thing it, in central it, Pennsylvania, isn't it? They say "hoof."
2: Apparently, it's, it's the a, farrier who has a farrier ducky. school there, Glenn, doesn't say <laughs> that stupid way. So, you pronounce so,
1: it. so I, I'm yeah.
0: wondering why is is it because the Amish say it "hoof"? Yeah. Is
1: yep. that why? Yep. Because O O in Pennsylvania Dutch would be "oo" and not uh, uh.
0: So that's where okay. I got it from.
1: Yes, yeah. but you're not yes, It's very Amish. common. It's very common here. My my family was from uh, the Midwest predominantly, so I don't have much of a Dutchy accent. But every once in a while, something comes out and shows I'm from Lancaster County.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, I well, on that note, seeing we're totally off track here. Um, uh, yep. I do miss whoopie pies. I would love to have a good whoopie pie. I have spent a long time. Oh, I have, have to get one for you. You have to ship them, pie? and it's coming up to the pumpkin whoopie pie season. Oh. There's nothing oh, better. Oh, they're the best. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're the
1: best, definitely. And,
0: and everybody that's <laughs> not from Pennsylvania down. going, what the hell is a whoopie pie? It's heaven on earth is right. what a whoopie pie is. Right. <laughs>
2: right. Sounds <laughs> disgusting. Right. Right. No, you'd love it. It's very sweet and
0: good. It's. it's, it's oh, yeah. Good food here. Yeah. Well, it's that, right, been Daisy. fun to get to know you a little bit personally, too, Daisy. Thank you so much for that.
1: Well, Thank you. Yeah, thanks. That's no, always a pleasure. Anytime. I'm always happy to talk with you all. It's really fun.
0: And I still um, think Daisy. the whole fifty mile running thing's crazy and a bit nutty. But okay. it's gonna go
2: downhill <laughs> from here, Daisy. Just hang up. <laughs> it's fine.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Bye,
2: Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, have a great day. Take all care. right. Bye bye. <laughs> so basically anytime you say the word hoof and I'm like, um, you're not British. Actually what I need to say is you're not
0: Amish. You're not Dutch. So stop talking. Yeah, about you're Dutch. not Dutch, because apparently that's a Dutch thing you <laughs> Because they speak Pennsylvania Dutch. Dutch. Well, this health segment, which was fascinating, was brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast on the Horse Radio Network. Now in their third season, each show highlights some of the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given to help fuel their performances. Episodes this year, including Training Hollywood Movie Horses, that was one of my favorites, Therapy Horses Helping Veterans, and an inside look at traditional charro horsemanship. It's all part of Purina's Full Rain documentary series. Go to PurinaMills.com slash full rain to see all the films interviews and podcasts and don't if you didn't listen to yesterday's show what i did is i replayed because we don't have an episode yet for the first tuesdays of the month we're trying to get that replaced but i replayed the last retired racehorse radio that jamie and joy did that's one of you it's your best episode yet period i did listen to it it's your best episode yet um we're putting it in for an award next year and you have to listen to it. It involves the Kentucky Derby. But the other interview was fascinating.
2: Oh, my God. She was so amazing. Yeah. So it's a woman that uses retired racehorses for like, to track rhino poachers. Like, what? Yeah. It was awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: Exactly. It was really cool. Really good episode. So if you haven't listened to that, either catch it here on the Horse Radio Network feed or on Horses in the Morning feed, or you can listen to it on Retired Racehorse Radio, too. But that was yesterday. Uh, and then tomorrow, uh, we have the driving episode for you we had a full slate of guests uh, we recorded it on monday so that was a lot of fun too uh you know listen to that more about horse health tomorrow on the show as well and then of course our first really bad ads in a while we'll be doing on friday and we have lots of great prizes so tune in and get your ads into jennifer at com. we have time before our Got next it. guest are you ready i'm ready all right
2: Well, we are going to head over to England. I got a lot off the mirror uh, from the UK, so a sure. lot this of is our weird
0: from... news segment for them.
2: Yes, it's yeah. time for weird news. If you see any weird news, please send it to me. I need help come, come getting all of it. So um this is there's a job offer. Um, there's a couple that needs help moving. They, they, they said they'll pay. let's see what, how much is it that they will pay you? Two thousand pounds. To help with their move, which is going to take place in mid-September and they really need somebody, but it's a unique, there's a reason they're paying you 2000 pounds. The advertisement is seeking uh, a driver and people moving to help carry out the move, but you have to do it naked. Yes, they're a nudist couple <laughs> oh. and they're requiring help moving out of their flat to a home. Um, but you have to be naked doing the well, entire I hope thing. They don't live
0: on a city street carrying all that stuff to the truck.
2: Uh, they're moving from an apartment into a bigger home and they are looking for home removals professionals willing to help them to move the house in the nude. Um, <laughs> if you would like to apply for the position, please send me an email and I'll send you the link. Can I see what they look like, like the real first thing.
0: before I decide? Can I see their picture you first? You know,
2: shockingly, there's no photos of oh, them. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So there you go. Job offer.
0: <laughs> Is it bad that I really wanted to see their picture before I decided?
2: <laughs> <laughs> How hot are you naked? This is, uh, I guess it's not that surprising, but, um, it was the year that Princess Diana passed away and it was the year that the Spice Girls became the Spice Girls and there's a woman, uh, she's now a grandmother and she wanted to commemorate that year by saving something really special, uh, from 1996 and so she uh, took she did a TikTok video to where she goes into her closet and she opens it up and it, it's a box and on the top of the box it says hamburger and she opened up the box of the McDonald's hamburger that she saved from 1996 and do you know what it looks
0: like? I don't want to know what it looks
2: like. It looks totally normal. <laughs> oh my it God. looks like a hamburger? It looks like a hamburger. And there's french fries. She pulled out the hamburger, removed Was it its from its wrapper. in the refrigerator
0: or freezer just out?
2: In her closet. In her closet. <laughs> she took the burger apart to show the hamburger itself, the bread never molded, the meat Never rotted. It never broke down at all. A 24 year old McDonald's hamburger is completely <laughs> intact. See,
0: Surprise. so does that mean that they'll, if you eat those, it helps preserve you?
2: As a man who's having trouble with his <laughs> colon, I might <laughs> think that maybe this is something that you do not. Um, it, it just didn't decompose. There is that it mold. No, it did not do anything. It looks like a completely normal McDonald's hamburger. <laughs> oh, so I don't think I'm, I'm a vegetarian.
0: Probably not heat it up in the microwave and eat it. Probably wouldn't be a good idea.
2: I mean, I guess you could. Why not? <laughs> Next. All right, just uh, this is more of a study show that I found, and I was gonna send it to you. But what the heck? It's my turn. I am going to read you the title. The the do it like you do to me, which is the weird news, and you have to finish the sentence. Okay, okay. People who eat peanut butter for breakfast are
0: my wife. That's not the right answer. Is it? <laughs> Oh, my God. Are you serious? She eats peanut butter for breakfast. She has peanut butter in her oatmeal every morning. (laughs) This makes it even funnier. And you know what she does? She puts in her oatmeal peanut butter and jelly in her oatmeal. Now, I don't like oatmeal. I think it tastes like cardboard chopped up. So maybe peanut butter and jelly would help. Uh, But, uh, yeah, that's what she uses. So what was the study again? I'll try and answer seriously. this No
2: answer was perfect oh. because the study says people who eat peanut butter for breakfast are better in bed <laughs> that's right
0: <I'm laughs> be sure to <laughs> tell her that
2: you wife, yeah, congratulations to go. what's She's the theory well. behind
0: that all the protein what
2: i'm just gonna go for our listeners who may not know, understand this a peanut butter helps you sleep better just it's you're better in bed you sleep better like if Lucas is listening to this right now, peanut butter for breakfast will help you sleep better.
4: <laughs> um, but
2: the rest of you, uh, <laughs> apparently it's just a high packed protein meal and keeps you going all day long. And, uh, there's too many numbers and 39%, 32%, 35%, blah, blah, blah. Basically the takeaway is what you have for breakfast and what it says about you. Um, if you have, are you, you want, you want me to run down the list real quick? Okay. have people. Okay, so if you have smoked salmon and cream cheese on a bagel, oh. you're an extrovert. <laughs> if you have peanut butter on toast, you're
0: crazy. You're a you're.
2: passionate lover. Yeah, you're Jewish if you have <laughs> yeah. smoked salmon and cream cheese on a bagel. Um, just a cup of tea. You're career minded. If you have a bowl of cereal, you're dependable, and that's usually what I have. That's brothers. usually what
0: I have to. Yeah.
2: Um, Marmite on toast. For all of our Australian listeners, you are well read. Have you ever tried uh, if, Marmite? No. We have no, to do I that haven't. on
0: the air sometime. We will have to try I've it. I
2: never really had the option is I'll I'll, I'll ship stuff. some
0: to you and me uh from Amazon and we'll do it we'll do it cuz we have a lot of Australian listeners looking to kick out of that.
2: Is it is it uh, is it um vegetarian? Yes. whats yeah, it is. What kinda, is
0: it? You'll probably like it. I didn't like it, but you'll probably like it. But it's been so long I don't even remember what it tastes like. So, uh, if you I have I think that's smashed- a good Remember I tried uh what's, what's the chocolate version? Um The Australian chocolate one that's so popular here now. Uh, Nutella? Yeah, Nutella. I tried it for the first time on this show.
2: Yeah, I know. I made you. But uh, that's good. um, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think Marmite is at all like Nutella. No, it's not.
0: No, it's not. I'm going to order Marmite and we're going to do it just for our Australian listeners.
2: Smashed avocado on sourdough. You are well traveled. I mean, obviously, you're having smashed avocado on sourdough. You're bougie, <laughs> uh, French. If you have French toast, which is what Chad likes for breakfast, you're a party animal. <laughs> if you have a banana for breakfast, you're stressed.
0: <laughs> what about yogurt? I have yogurt every yeah. day. Oh, today. that's
2: the next one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have yogurt. that every day.
2: You're emotional.
0: Yeah, that's okay. I get that. Yeah.
2: And if you skip breakfast altogether, you're an introvert. So really? and that's my brother. He never has breakfast. So and he is kind of an introvert. So yay. Cool. Uh There you go. Now you know what your breakfast says about you and your wife apparently sleeps really well, Glenn.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She does sleep well. She does. She's a good sleeper. I, not (laughs) so much. I
2: don't want to know about it. Let's change (laughs) the (laughs) subject.
0: All right. Let's uh, go on to our next guest. That was a good study though, by the way.
2: Oh, if you have tea, if you drink tea for breakfast, like that's it, you earn a lot of money.
0: You're a high money earner.
2: So if you're looking for a guy, ladies...
0: You find a tea yeah. drinker and not he a coffee drinker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, our next guest. And of course, the first Wednesday of every month, our guests are provided by Black Rains Magazine at blackrains.com. And we always get terrific guests from them. And today we have Nishan Cook, who's out of Colorado. And I'm going to see if I can get him on the line here. It's a fascinating story. I'm excited to hear about some of the places that he's coached and competed as well. Uh, Let's see.
2: While you're doing that, I'll be right back.
0: Okay. Hello. Hi, is this Nashawn? Yes, this is Nashawn. How are you? Good. You ha- you're on here with uh, Glenn and Jamie, and you are live. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Hi, Glenn and Jamie. Sorry, that's a stall door. <laughs> okay. Good. We like that. If we hear a horse whinny, that's perfect. Uh, uh-huh. We love that. <laughs> so, are you at the barn there in Colorado? I am, yeah, I'm at my farm here. So tell us about the farm we just in Colorado.
3: Up, we, just, we just finished up our morning chores.
0: So tell us about the farm. What's it like there? Uh, so it is a, it is a,
3: we're on 10 acres um, in one of the horse communities here, Parker, Colorado. And I have a 20, I have 19 stall barn. Which uh, means you have 22 and, horses. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a I have a I have the space for twenty four horses. Yeah, okay. which means you but have twenty seven.
0: Oh, okay, good. No, I, was nope, just I have nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because usually with any of the horse girls that listen to this show, they have ten stalls and twelve horses. It always works that way.
3: Yeah, yeah. no, I. But the, you know, I mean, the thing is for me is that it's a, a it's a you know it's about quality of care, um, and so I have I have. Um, I, and I mostly do rehab stuff. So I just need them. I, mean, I have to make sure that, um, they are, that they have what they need. And they're socially and, distanced. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and that, and that they're, they're running around right now and that they're able to have the, what they need to be healthy, you know, because a successful, you know, keeping courses healthy, it includes you know, social time and work time and rest time and enough food. And if there's too many horses, are not, there's not enough space for that stuff to happen to keep them healthy.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you how you got into classical dressage. It's it, you know, uh, does w- that something that started when you were in school or w- where did that come from? Yeah.
3: So I've been riding, I've been riding since I was 13 and I started at a after school, Program actually called the Urban Farm at Stapleton. Oh yeah, and and um, what happened was is I had I had started riding um, Western, and I saw how um, how their horses, how a lot of the horses in like the Gymkhana they just didn't last really long. You know, their bodies just broke down really, 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 really quickly. And so, um, I started, I started with dressage. Um, I started with dressage just as a way to keep my body, my horse's bodies healthy. And, uh, I was, I had a teacher, I had a teacher who was a member of the French National Writing Academy, the Cadre Noir in Sumer, in France. He was a head professor there for, I think, 10 years. His name was Jean-François Favier, and he taught me um, he was one of the ones who taught me the principles of, of classical dressage in the French tradition. Yeah.
0: And then you ended up at some point in Thailand, I read. Yeah. So I went to Thailand.
3: (laughs) I went to Thailand to teach actually, because I had gotten a scholarship for my master's work and I had taken a gap year and then I had started the program and I, and I didn't like it. And I told my mom that I was giving my scholarship back and was going to travel instead. And she said, that was a great idea. Um there's a supportive so mom I, right there <laughs> oh, my mom is the most awesome in the world um, and so and she actually even came and visited me while I was there um, and so I had started teaching, and one of the students at my school had her she and her father had a um a sport horse, the Changuatana sport horse club um and they invited me out one day and They brought all their horses out. They brought some of their horses out for me to ride and I schooled them. And then the next day they asked me to come back and I rode those horses and then they offered me a job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was able then to, we had a, when I was there, it was a really bad monsoon and there was a horrible flood and I wasn't able to teach because my school was flooded. And so then I, I, went full-time there, um, mostly as a jumping coach and trainer. And, um, so, you know, while I was there, one of my students won the national title in jumping for her division. And, um, two of the young courses were, um, you know, they were nominated for young course of the year and, and, uh, all of that stuff. And well, then one of my dressage students went on to, um, play Gold in the Southeast Asian Games for the youth division for eventing, um, and so and yeah, and then I've also taught in Germany.
0: So uh, with Thailand, is it because it's a country we haven't talked about much? Is it set up in schools? In other words, pretty much all the riding is done at at central locations, no. or are there a lot of people mm-hmm. with horses in their backyard? What's the story?
3: Actually, no. It's about it's in the whole country. It's probably about a thousand people. That have horses. Um, it's very much an aristocratic sport there. Um, and uh, while I was there, you know, it was often that one of the princesses would bring her horse and compete, and you know, the highway would get shut down for her and her her entourage to get to the destination successfully and safely. I hate so, it when that happens. No, to
1: me. It's so it was it was it was
3: it was me. It was it was for. Um, families of great wealth or military, (laughs) so they still have an active cavalry there. Um, and so that's, and, and a lot of actually a lot, a lot of the soldiers in the cavalry are the trainers of the families. Um, except for the few instances where there were, um, foreign trainers like myself, either from the United States or Europe.
0: Wow, so that's fascinating. I mean, you know, this it's just Thailand is not a country. You hear a lot about when, it, when you talk about horses.
3: So now, you yeah, well, you know, black black people aren't what you think about usually when people talk about dressage. <laughs> that <laughs> you is know, true. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a. But that's the wonderful thing about the world is that you know, if we have the courage, we can make it into whatever we want. I I
0: love, you know, I love what, uh, what they sent me. And uh, the one line was his current training interests lay in rehabilitating inconvenient horses. I don't know if he meant to put inconvenient. Did he mean, what, what did he mean by inconvenient? So, so my,
3: so like a lot of, so, so just starting off, like statistically, like there are 5 million horses in the United States that aren't wanted. Right. Um, and of that, um, a hundred and fifty of one hundred and fifty thousand of them a year are 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 sent to slaughter, um, and of those 150,000, um, one of the top reasons that horses end up there is behavioral issues, um, and so um, and those horses are usually between the ages of like two and 10. So they're really young horses. And so I have, I have, I I take in those horses. So uh, two of my young horses are rescued from the kill pen, Um, and my oldest high school horse Nova, he was on his way. Um, and so I reserve, I reserve, um, I, I my practice is built around rehabilitating those horses behavioral issues, which are usually, um, can be traced back to physical issues I mean something as simple as a saddle that doesn't fit or a bit that applies tongue pressure in a way that they don't like um and so i and and I have them because they're helping me understand the science part of horsemanship, how to or of dressage rather how 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 um how focusing on where they're locked up in their bodies can change behavior in a positive way. And what, and, and the, and, and the, you know, the thing that I'm finding over and over and over again is that, you know, behavior issues with horses and children really start off from, you know, just the loss of communication, you know? Um, And when, and when that path is lost, then, then fear jumps in on their part and on our part. And then we start, you know, getting defensive and fighting each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, it's, and yeah, unfortunately, and, uh, and unfortunately with horses, people just get rid of them, you know, a most of, a lot of people just get rid of them and just get an easier horse. And so I feel like, um, I feel like those horses deserve a shot and, um, you know, like my mayor, my mare, for sure she has the capacity to make it all the way up to the Grand Prix level of dressage. Um but she was she was she was she was, r- she was raced and then was deemed unfit for racing and or unsound for racing and then she was sent to a rescue and then the lady there was someone who adopted her and didn't like her and so kept her for a year in the field and and sent her and then sent her to an auction where she knew that the killer was the buyer. And um And she, uh, and, 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 you know, and the rescue that I got her from, they bought her from the killer, you know? Um, and, and, and and
2: it happens so much and it's a common, unfortunately common story. I'm glad you're doing something. When you take a horse that has come from that situation, what are some of the things you do to assess where the horse is and where you need to go?
3: Well, you know, ninety percent of you know healthy relationships, period, is learning how to listen, right? Um, and so, you know, we, I just, I, I, I give them time. They, they usually have about two or three weeks just to settle in and to get into the routine of my space. Um, and then I see what kind of saddle they like. So, like, you know, I have a I have a, I have a professional saddle fitter come. Um, I'll have my vet look over them if they need to, um, and then, you know, a big part of, a big part of the answers that I get with my horses, I usually, they usually come in dreams, actually. Um, and so, um, like I have a young horse, one of my personal horses who wasn't fit for riding, um, because he was being jumped like five foot courses as a three-year-old and it just broke his body down. Um, and he had issues with his, um, his supraspinous ligament in his back. Um, but, and the answer to how ha- to fix his body came in a dream and I followed it and now I can write him. <laughs>
0: Wow, so amazing. there's,
3: there's, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a few different ways. It's like, you know, if you put tack on and they, they throw their head or they try to kick you or, you know, they just seem, or you get the, or sometimes, you know, you can just feel when they're just not comfortable and they're not happy. And so we go through and make sure that there are no ulcers or anything like that. But, you know, the big thing about it that I'm really understanding that, that around a lot of be- horses' behavior is food. Um, and if I can keep their guts moving with food throughout the day, not necessarily pasture, uh, cause that's, can be really hard on, on the land and I don't have a lot of acreage, but my horses eat like six times a day. Um, and, and, and allowing them to continue eating like that. Um, it, it, one, if they have back issues, when, if they can eat with their head lower than their withers, then it starts to tone those abdominal muscles and strengthen the back um, which we need for riding. And two, um, the lower the horse's head is when they're relaxed, the more endorphins are released. Um, and, and they just calm down and, and they start to exude peace. Um, and so, you know, there's a whole system, there's a whole system, um, to, to helping horses be successful under saddle that has to be in place, before they're under saddle and so you know my horses are on a very strict routine um they all they all know their days to work they know what times they get turned out and if i'm late or my brother is late they start to scream and try to throw their halters all over the place. So, you know, having a life that's super predictable is really important to creating successful horses.
2: You know, so you, you say that I'm a Monte Roberts certified instructor and that lo- that sounds like something you should look into because you w- would be perfect in that. But one thing he says that the best thing you can do for your horses is to be utterly predictable. And it That's right. grants them a lot of peace in that. Where can yeah. people go and learn more about you and what you do?
3: So I have a Facebook page. Um, and I'm also, it's Nashanka Horsemanship on Facebook. Um, I will, and I also, there's a magazine um, called Eclectic Horseman um, that I am now uh, a part of. Um, and so we'll be, me and my mayor Mohawk that I was talking to you about, uh, she will, we're going to be doing video segments for their quarterly, um, um, uh, video journal. Um, and so all of that information is on my Facebook page.
2: All right. Fantastic. I just, I just went and followed you. So, uh, you got a new like today, uh, and I encourage everybody you're in Colorado and please, uh, well, Thank you for coming on and thank you for sharing your story and wish you the best yeah. of luck and look forward to talking to you again
3: soon. I hope so. Yeah. Thank you so much for your uh, consideration and time.
2: All right. And thanks to Black Rains Magazine for putting all these awesome interviews together. Again, Nishan Cook, Horsemanship on Facebook. Nishan, have a great day.
0: You too. Have a beautiful day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye and of course it's blackrains.com as well there you go he should be, he really should go do the monty Robert. he sounded just oh like oh
2: my him. gosh <laughs> yeah it's, he sounds just right yeah. right a big part of it
0: yeah and he's been around and done so many different things and he's right you don't often hear about t- even young young guys especially getting into dressage um and yeah. then the thailand thing how interesting is that that must have been that must have been like a whole freaking different world between the food and the people and uh, the horse world over there uh, I love tag food. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and on that note, we are going to hang around a little bit. We're actually going to talk about what horses Jamie has hanging around. We haven't had a chance to do that yet since break. Uh, so we're going to do that in the post-show for the auditors. Thank you, everybody, for joining us uh, today. We really appreciate it. Go get those colonoscopies. Make sure your family does as well. We'll be back tomorrow with the driving episode with Dr. Wendy.
2: All right, spay, neuter, and Geld.